Welcome everybody to the Footy Rambles podcast with myself, Johnny Keefe. Uh, alongside me, as always, is the man, and tonight he's drinking whiskey. It is, of course, Callum Castelnuovo. You see, no jokes there. I didn't do anything to, you know, discredit you in any sort of way. It was just a case of he's drinking whiskey tonight. Stating the obvious, to be fair, aren't I? Oh, that's it. And I feel like a nice 60-year-old man sat here having a whiskey. Having a whiskey. Very nice. Well, I'm drinking Brewdog's Palmer Violet tonight. Five and a half percent uh, beer that uh, I picked up. I thought, you know, I, I, I tried the Whitley Neal Palmer Violet gin a little while ago and I didn't like it. I don't really like the Palmer Violet sweet. It's just not my flavour. I know you're looking at me like that, like I've just jumped out of a tree bollock naked, but I just don't <laughs> like it. It's just not my thing. But I thought, you know what? Will the beer be any better? And it's nice, isn't it? No, I don't like it. No? <laughs> I'm oh, gonna, no. <laughs> I'm going to drink it because I've bought it for myself and I'm not going to waste good beer. Oh, I like it. I had it last week, to be well, fair. I must say, I was looking out for I went into Tesco knowing full well that I didn't think that they would stock the um, the brew dog and Tony's chocolate or chocolony or whatever it's called. Uh, have you seen the chocolate bars? Yeah. Right. They're amazing. I bought one for Bex because she'd never, um, she'd never had one before. And we went through three quarters of a bar last night. Shake your head. I can't remember how much we had. Full bar, three quarters about three quarters and it was just absolutely beautiful it was amazing so i think sainsbury's do the Brewdog collaboration with tony's chocolate so there we go sainsbury's if you're listening i think his name's mike cooper who's top of the tree there if you don't mind it's just one can i don't think it'll break the pnl will it anyway we've got so much to talk about um so much has happened over the last 24 hours with regards to, um, to, to to Newcastle in particular, of course. It has been the main talking point over the last kind of, well, like I say, 24 hours. However, we put out there on Twitter, I want to say we, I definitely mean you, as it's yourself, Callum, that controls the, uh, well, all the social media, it's fair to say. Um, social media manager. So, yeah, there we go. It's his new job title, official. It's on LinkedIn. Um and uh, we put on there, what do people want us to talk about in this next podcast? And we've got quite a few responses from it, which is fantastic. So we're going to do three tonight, which we thought were quite interesting. Um, Buzzkid asked us to talk about Arsene Wenger and his impact at Arsenal, if it would be any different now, i.e. the setup of it, how they're performing, etc. Um uh, to how it was when he was in charge and obviously at the back end of his tenure there. Uh, Marcus F116 has asked us to talk a bit about Newcastle. Um, about what the future might hold and things like that. So again, I was desperate to talk a little bit about this because my goodness, what an opportunity for Arsenal to, to really take the ball by the horns, i.e. the Premier League, and go from there. You mean Newcastle? Who did I say? Arsenal. Never oh, a right, chance. Okay. No, not a chance. <laughs> Arsenal are right in the, the boondocks of the Premier League, it's fair to say. Um, and then Aaron Clark's... I wondered why you were looking at me like I was an absolute you know, nutcase then. Aaron Clark <laughs> 6 does Sterling walk into every Premier League team? And that is a very interesting question because there has been a few talks of him potentially taking a loan spell, either abroad uh, to a big club, and we'll get on to that in a little bit, Um but yeah, does he walk into every team? You know, Newcastle might want to put their hands in the pockets for him. Let's be honest. Um, can they attract him away from? Uh, well, it's not that. It's not a million miles away, is it? From uh, from Manchester. Let's be fair. But it's Newcastle. Will he want to go there? But anyway, we will come on to that. First and foremost, Buzzkid. Thank you for your question, Arsene Wenger. Would Arsenal be 
where they are now if he was still there. What are your thoughts, sir? I, I like this question, and it's and it's a very interesting question because I've looked into it, and I've looked into what Arsene Wenger done with Arsenal, and I know from the start he was a pain in Sir Alex Ferguson's backside from the get-go. Um, and I know that Arsenal were kind of between in the Premier League between 10th and then 4th and then 12th and then bits like this with a bit of inconsistency and Arsene Wenger was a bit of an unknown anomaly um, in regards to football and bits like that and they were interested by his intelligence and his languages and everything like that and they brought him in and that first season he came in um, he took him up to third his first full season and then a season later won the Premier League um, and then (coughs) three seasons on the bounce came second and then won it again um, and then came second and then won it invincibly so he was absolutely on form when he first got to Arsenal and like I said they, they won it they're the only invincibles to win the Premier League so he was and then they, I don't think they dropped out of the top four until um, I'm going to guess look, I'm going to guess I was going to say I'm glad you didn't go any further than that I'm going to guess at 2016 but I think I'm about two years in or out there 2016 17 uh Sorry, no, 2015-16, yeah, so the last time oh, they were in there. top four. <laughs> yeah, they came second in 2015-16, which I believe is the year Leicester won the Premier League. Yeah. So all the way from then until then, he didn't drop out of the top four. So what interests me with the question mainly is he dropped to fifth, 2016-17, he dropped to sixth, 17-18, and then he picked up his coat and he flew away to become the FIFA or whatever he is right now. And then Unai Emery comes in fifth. So a place above what Arsene Wenger got into the season before and the same position as they were the season before Arsene left. And then he and Freddie Youngberg set some damage last season. Um, I think it was last season to what? It might have been the season before. It was a 1920 season. Freddie Youngberg and Unai Emery set some damage to Arsenal that Arteta had to deal with. Um, they finished eighth, which obviously is a very low position to where they'd ever finished before. But then Arteta's first full season, they finished eighth again, and now they're 11th. So my my intrigue with this is it did start declining under Wenger to fifth to sixth when they'd never gone that low. And then it went kind of fifth, sixth again with Emery. And now it's eighth, eighth, sitting in mid-table now. Is it as far as Arsene Wenger? Did he just did he just pick up his coat and leave when he knew that things were starting to get rough? I'm not too sure. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the team they've assembled now with the transfers, I looked quite funny at the start, but actually are starting to look pretty tidy together. If you give that team to Arsene Wenger, what do you get? It's like if you put this Man United team with Sir Alex Ferguson, what do you get? But they're both old men now. Um, they're not young anymore. So prime Arsene and this Arsenal team, team in the last few seasons, it could it could have been something special. We'll never know. Um, I, I think it's a lot deeper than the manager for Arsenal at the moment. And one thing that I can say with that is the fact that Mikel Arteta is manager anyway is something that I'd be concerned about. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a up and down mess and they need to find some sort of consistency before we can really look at those comparisons, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so the comparison for me is, um, is the Premier League itself and how it's evolved in the time before Arsene Wenger took the reins and to what it is now. If you look at it, what it was then... He was the innovator of football. He was the Pep Guardiola, let's call it for the sake of it, 
um, for his time when he joined in, when every other team was, you know, old school. He came in and changed the diet. He changed the regime. He changed the training methods. He did everything. Um, and, and let's be honest, everybody's caught up to that. And, and more so, you know, like I was, I compared it to Pep because when Pep came in in that original season, it wasn't great. I think they finished fourth and it was by the last game. But then the next season, they absolutely dominated it, you know, to an unrivaled level, an unparalleled level, basically. And that's basically what Arsene Wenger did. You know, that first season, they had a bit of a ropey start. I say ropey start, where did you say they finished like, was it third or something like that? I can't remember what you just said. But then it was third, wasn't yeah, it? Third. Yeah, third. Yeah. And then he took them on to win. And that was exactly what Pep did. So it's just a shame because Arsene Wenger stuck to the old ways that he'd, he'd known of working. Um, would it be different? Yes. I'm going to say yes. And the reason I'm going to say yes is because he evidently had training methods that were working well. What the board and the staff needed to get to grips was with, they needed to update their methods. But as a man manager, he was actually very good. You know, he was a very good manager and it's a shame that it ended the way it did do, but it was because he was a dictator of a football club, essentially. And the only people that could get him out were the fans who obviously did the the protesting, Wenger out and all that jazz. So, excuse me, it was, a, it was such a shame that it ended the way it did do for him because, like I said, he was... He was he was Mr. Big Time once upon a time, and it just it caught you know times caught up with him. You know they needed a director of football, they needed to update their coaching methods. They they tried to play a perfect way of football. They just didn't have the perfect players to do that with. Um, if I look at that team now, and I think to myself, okay, the, the centre forward, the, the, you know, bang on, they've got a wonderful strike force. They've arguably got a really good you know forward line actually. Um, introduction of Odegaard they've obviously got Emile Smith-Rowe who I actually really like I think he's a great player there's some real talent in there um, you know Saka unbelievable talent you know they've got some great players there's just a few positions where you feel like if they had a do you know what if they put Kante in or Jorginho in or Calvin Phillips in or you know people like that that would upgrade their whole team you know tenfold yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that comparison there. How you just jumped quickly from Kante to Phillips, ever the Leeds fan. But yeah, I know let's, what you mean. let's be honest. Let's be honest. They are the very similar players, and who got to a Euro final recently? I was about to say, yeah. Well, there is only one player. Well, two players, Jorginho as well, that you just listed there in the Euros final. Um, I think Phillips. Honest, will, not, I think Phillips will get there. I was not going to start talking about McFred, was I? Now you know that's just <laughs> not a combination that you yeah, you hold yeah, in the yeah. same kind of. Oh, if you stuck a McTominay or a Fred in the middle of that Arsenal team, they'd go from 11th all the way to 15th probably quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this now, this list, and it's quite funny because I'm looking down from about 2009 to 10 and all you can see is fourth, third, fourth, third, fourth, fourth, third, until they got to second um which was the season Leicester won, which was quite a mad season. They, it was, yeah, they it was were third into they were third until the last game of the season. So what Arsenal fans really got sick of was just being fourth, just being fourth, just being fourth, just being fourth. Blinded. Well, they no, they weren't competing for anything. They Champions were, League, they weren't they were going out to the top two. Even in the Champions League stages, though, they were going out like that. You know, I think they got to one Champions League final, um, and the promise to the fans when they built the Emirates and moved from Highbury was, "We will be competing in Europe." Quite simply, they were, they were fed tosh because they weren't. You know, they got to mm. one final and they were beaten about three-one by Barcelona. 
and it just, yeah, exactly. You, know, you look at that team back then and you go, it shouldn't have been happening. I mean, it was mm. a Barcelona, you know, wonder team. It was just a phenomenal force. But anyway, that, that for me, Wenger would be doing better because I believe he is a better manager, but he needed to update his his ways and he wasn't doing that at the time, unfortunately. But that's what I mean, though, because they got the fans got so sick of Ford and Firth and not competing and Champions League and everything like that. But now they're not. They, they've the highest they've been since he's left is fifth. They finished yeah. fifth in a season, which is the highest they finished. So it's it's whether he was managing the tools he had to to actually wow. He was actually finishing in the top four because you take him out of it, and all of a sudden they're sixth, fifth, eighth. But then again. He dropped them to six. So, did he just jump out as they were, as they were, as he could see they were floating down levels? Um, the same could be said difficult. about Manchester United when Fergie left. To be fair, exactly, this happened to both of them. But yeah, you said exactly what you said though. When Arsene Wenger came and he did things that were like Paul Merson was speaking on a show I was watching recently, Fever Pitch, and he said they were just all they do is they'd go out, they'd drink, they'd eat, they'd drink, they'd eat, and then they he just said no, cut it all out of the restaurant, cut it all out from the diets, cut everything out of the system. And he said that they felt like when they were going onto the pitch, they felt like superhuman. Yeah. And then they then they won the title invincibly. So he he changed so much, but like he said everyone caught up with him and he kind of fed everyone his his system and then he got took over by it and when you when your football's out of fashion and everyone's caught up with the the bits of the game it's like Mourinho in the prem it just can catch up on you and there's no way back and maybe that's what made him leave as well you never know but it is it's an interesting question I can't really answer it to be fair it's a difficult one to answer because you, we will just never know um it's not like Mourinho when he left man united went to you know you know, went to become, you know, Mourinho again. He found a bit of cheek in him when he was doing like all this punditry. And we're all thinking, do you know what? Is he back to his best now? Is this Mourinho back to his best? And then he went into Spurs and it was the same old, same old. And it was just yeah. such a shame. And you've got to feel it, it would probably be the same, to be fair, with Arsene Wenger. You know, would the decline have been, you know, just as bad? Well, arguably, the best teams around him at the time are the only teams that have gotten that much better. Arguably, Leicester isn't, you know, Leicester have moved on and kicked on and what have you. But other than that, I think Arsenal have gone backwards as a team. And I think they would have still continued to have gone backwards somewhat as well. But I think Arsene Wenger would have done better than what Arteta is doing now, without a doubt. Yeah, I could put anyone on Arteta. I think, I think the I think now that you look at it, it's so sad that it's gone from Arsene Wenger against Alex Ferguson to Mikel Arteta versus Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> okay, well that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, we're going to stick to the script. Marcus F one one six has asked us about the uh, the Newcastle um, the Newcastle transfer business because of course if you unless you've been living under a rock. Um, Newcastle have been bought out 14 years after they were bought by Mike Ashley and a Saudi Arabia consortium have come in and they put 300 million on the table. I think it was 305. I've seen different reports, but anyway, um, led by Amanda Staley, who is Yorkshire born and bred. Um, I'm just putting it out there. Um, but she's come in with her group PCP um, uh, investors and they've gone and bought Newcastle Football Club. It now officially makes, and this is mental when you say it out loud, it makes Newcastle United the richest club in 
the world, not just English football, not just Man City, it include PSG in that, who were before that the richest club. Newcastle have now got about 320 billion with a B behind them. It's incredible. It's, it's madness. Um, but I'm absolutely thrilled that it's happened because when I first started really enjoying football, uh, one of my best mates at the time, a guy called Sam, he he was a massive football head and he loved Alan Shearer. And he got me into enjoying the, you know, what Alan Shearer used to do on a pitch. But this was when he was at Blackburn. Then all of a sudden, the 15 million move happened and he went to Newcastle. And for a few years, I was a big Newcastle fan. I had the shirts and everything. I had a Shea Given shirt. I had a Pavel Cernicek shirt. I remember exactly what they, they were sponsored by um, Newcastle Brown Ale at the time. Uh, I had the Skyline on one. It was like crocodile, you know, kind of skin on another. I was a, a massive goalkeeper at the time. I loved being a goalkeeper. And that's why I know of those two goalkeepers. But anyway, the point is, I've always kind of, you know, I'm not going to say I've always had an affinity for Newcastle because I'm not. I'm a Leeds fan. But I remember those times in my life very, very well because it was good childhood. It was just good childhood memories, if you like. What I'm going to ask you is, though, and I know exactly my viewpoint on this, has Newcastle United sold out? <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't know I was going to ask you that, did you? Um, ah. Uh... I don't know. Like the the thing is, right? They're they're now. You said like they're the most expensive team in the world. For this team, this team, that team, they are pissing on the Premier League now. Man City's owners are ten percent worth of what Newcastle's owners are, and Newcastle are now going to. I don't know what the strategy is going to be behind their their kind of. You saw what City did; they bought in Rubinho straight away, and but they bought in Stephen Ireland and Mark Hughes. It was a bit of a strange transition. Um, I think Newcastle are going to look at if they're clever with it. They, the first thing they're doing is they're replacing Steve Bruce. I think I've heard. Ah, well, that was and, my next question to tell you the truth. Does Brucey have a future in Newcastle? But I can't help but think that you've not answered the first question yet, sir. So when you say they've sold out expand okay well you know they've all these billions of pounds have they sold out on the premier league you know have they have they gone down the route of oh yeah we're going to throw loads of money at it now i don't know that yet but have they sold out in that you know because they've got these this massive owner now this huge owner no i think they're gonna i think they're gonna be wise with the money i think they're gonna do it a bit differently other teams they could do whatever they wanted but the fans have been speaking all I've been hearing from the fans is that they want a well-brand club they don't want to well they do it's a difficult one I don't think they're going to complain if they go into the market and buy Mbapp and Sterling um, straight away okay I know where you're coming from do you know what I mean they're not going to complain but they'd have to be offered massive money because we know what Mbappe's future is like and Sterling would have to come with a huge, huge project going on there with big players also coming to the club. Now, let, let me just tell you my standpoint on this. The answer is no, they haven't sold out because the Premier League has been allowing billionaire owners to come in for 10 years plus. You know, you think of Abramovich, you think of Man City's owners, the Glazers are obviously there, you've got the Venkis, um, you've got the... Um, uh, the, the Liverpool owners as well. The big clubs have got billionaire owners. And, and it's as simple as that. If you want to go far in the Premier League, you need to be well-backed for a start as a starting point, okay? And that usually begins with a B these days and not an M. Um, in terms of what... I think they'll bring 
wonderful things to Newcastle. I think that, that, you know, the way that they've sold it to the fans is we are going to focus on the club, but we are also going to build the infrastructure. I think they've really seen the Man City model and they're going to do that. I think they've seen what the Leicester owners have done and they're going to try and do that as well. They need to get the fans on side because that's been Mike Ashley's problem. He didn't have the fans on side. He, you know, he, he gained all of these riches from every time that they, you know, did okay in the Premier League and things like that. Because they, remember, they they finished 11th, 12th. You know, it's not a bad position. It's just not where Newcastle, you know, 20 years ago, was, you know, was once upon a time. Um, and he just never put anything back into the club. That was the issue. He was taking all the riches for himself and then splashing out here and there until they bought Joel Linton, I think it was, Newcastle's biggest transfer was Michael Owen for about 20 million quid. You know, it, it, yeah. in, and that's, you know, I, I can't even tell you how long ago that was. I won't be able to say how old Owen is now, to be fair. But have they sold out? No, they've gone with the times and they've gotten a big owner that wants to buy them. And I say oh, the biggest them. owner. Yeah, the biggest owner they could have done. Let's not deny ourselves anything. The guy that runs the consortium is the prince to the Saudi throne, okay? He is, he's got money coming out of anywhere. He looks under his pillow. The tooth fairy's not just put a quid there. You know, it's it's a massive amount of money that he comes from. Um, Amanda Staveley, I think she's got about 110 million pound fortune. And, you know, I think she has a little bit of a share in it and things like that. You know, fair enough, her, her part will be very, I don't know what her part is. I think she's going to be some form of running the club day to day. But yeah, the money that's in that club now is phenomenal. And I'm hoping because it is another big, it's another big flag for the Premier League, if you like, because it, it will draw more people into wanting to watch, you know, what are Newcastle going to be up to, especially if they start attracting huge players. Well, exactly. And they will. And that was Marx's question. How will how will this ownership affect the rest of the league and affect the clubs and affect the rest of the league overall? And it will bring a lot more, a lot more fans to the league itself. But also other teams now are going to start looking at like what we what we're going to do because there's I feel like it's, it's going to take off. Like your Norwiches are going to be like it's just going to be an overpower now in the top half of the league and other teams are going to want to have a lot more backing behind them. You mentioned Liverpool before. They're not even in the top 10 of the richest owners of the league. No, the Wolves are in the top five. Yeah. Um, and they, that's with five billion. Now, Newcastle have got 260 billion. So Newcastle are going to, they can do what they want. And like you said, they're, they're, it wouldn't surprise the thing is they're going to do it like you said with the Man City model I think they're going to look at the training ground I think, I think they're going to look into investing in Newcastle as a city they also I think they're going to look start... into youth as well because youth is something that exactly. they're really not invested in at all they, if you think about local lads that have come through there's two that Gaza. you can name no but recent, in recent times in recent times oh, um, no. the, the Longstaff boys that's the only two that you could really name and one of them's on loan to Aberdeen at the moment they won't be there for long, those two. And it's a shame, uh, yeah, isn't it? I really hope yeah. you have to say the truth. I really genuinely, because I love the fact that, I, I, I love it when local people come through in the teams, you know. You look at Phil Foden and the, the wizardry that he is conducting at Man City. I think of Calvin Phillips at Leeds, you know, first and foremost, if I'm being honest with you. I wanted to try and give you another example, though. Um, 
But you think, you know, you think of Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool, you've got the quantities that Manchester United have pulled through um, over the Chelsea. years. Chelsea, exactly. There is some absolute wonders that come through. Newcastle haven't done it. And you would never have heard of them, to be fair, either, because they're just not, they're not that team that you would have heard of. You hear about the big name players, because let's be honest, they're the only people that do anything for them at the moment. Yeah, exactly. They need to, that is the next thing I was going to say. They need to invest in youth. I think they're going to invest in everything. And, but this is the thing as well with the amount of money they've got, I don't feel like they have to take it in steps where they invest in this, they invest in that, they invest in the stadium, they invest in youth. And then players come slowly off. They could, they could invest in everything and then go, right, let's throw everything at Sterling and promise him that this is going to come, this is going to come. And these, this, this sounds ridiculous now because yesterday, um, well, the day before, Newcastle for us were bottom to be in the favourite three. There was nothing going on. In January now, they could just build oh, a team yeah. to stay up and then just go from there. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it out the window. Um, they could do what they want. <laughs> and it's it's really exciting. Like, And I think as well of clubs that deserve it. I think Newcastle fans really, really deserve it in that top flight because they've had to put up with an atrocious owner and it's been a long time. And I saw them on um, Friday Night Football a few weeks ago just saying, just like kind of almost sad to see them saying like they don't want to be like fighting for the top four. They don't want to be fighting for the top seven. They just want to see a good brand of football and they just don't want to be fearing relegation every season. And even fans now that they've, it's crazy because if, if I, if this happens to Forest, I'd be like, I want every player. I want this. I want that. I want to be, I want to be winning the Prem, but they, the fans are still saying today after hearing the news, we just need to invest in this. We just need to invest in youth. We just need to invest in that. And the, 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 the performances will come. They even said today the players that are playing now who are second to bottom, they'll be playing out of their skin because they need to play for their, their place in the, the team. And that, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that Newcastle fans are worried, like not worrying about, but that's what they want. They just want the players to play for them because this is the thing with this like sort of investment and this team and what they can build with it, the fans base they have behind it is absolutely incredible. And it could be like when they be. I'm not even going to say because if they become massive, because we said if about Man City and that was 23 billion pound owners, when Newcastle become massive and they start, how many years on it comes and they start reaching the heights of the Champions League, the fan base, they're going to be taken around the world and what they're going to have. And when that full stadium is going to be happy rather than dreading and booing, it's going to be electric. It used to be electric back in the day when they, when they were fighting towards the top. And now it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. And I think they deserve it as well. Yeah, it's a hell of a town. It's a one, it's a one club town, isn't it? And you know, I get to spend quite a lot of time up in Newcastle, and you know, it really does fill that that city centre. It's um, it, yeah, it, it's going to be, it, it's going to create such a buzz around it. And you kind of think to yourself, do you know what? They deserve something like this. But anyway, let's move on because Aaron Clark six asked us, does Sterling walk into every Premier League team? Now, it's fair to say that he's probably fallen somewhat out of favour with Pep at the moment uh, because they've got such a rich of talent, you know, in that squad. The riches that they've got with Grealish, with Mares, with Phil Foden. I mean, Bernardo Silva's being played out of position, but originally he was play- being played on that right wing. Um, um, I feel like I'm missing players just in, in those wing positions at the moment. But I mean, Gabriel Jesus, he's been playing there recently as well on that left wing. It's... Um, yeah, the, the answer is, well, in my opinion, Sterling walks into any Premier League team. 
He does because he's just that good. He's Mr. Dependable at the Euros. Um, he scores goals. He runs at players. He's got lightning feet and he's got lightning pace. If um, uh, Yeah, he, he walks into any squad, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, well, for me, forget anything below the top six. <laughs> uh, he walks into every single one. Then we bring Arsenal and Spurs, yes, um, without question. Lucas and Pepe, uh, see you later. And then you look at the top four, yeah, Man United, yeah. Um, City, he's got his things going on, whatever. Chelsea, um, it's tight. No, no, it's not tight. Are you telling me that he would not be better than Timo Werner? Timo Werner doesn't start. So it's it's not like it's not like they they don't know their front line really. So if they they don't, I don't really think they have too much. It depends on their system. I don't think they have too much wing play going on. It depends the Engar system. So I wouldn't go into. That. I think he would. Yeah, I think he's. I think he he's would a good be. player to add to that front line. But the one team that I can't just say, I think he would. I think he would walk into this team. But Liverpool for me, yeah, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only part of the where I can see my arguments somewhat flawed. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because I do think the only player that he'd get in over in the front it's line Mane. is Mane. Yeah. Um, and I think he would. Um, and I've I think he would because I've looked back over seasons um, of what they've done between them and the statistics for Sterling. I mean, people forget, like even I forgot before the Euros, like how good Sterling was. Um, Last season, the only difference between their goal contributions was Mane scored one goal but had four more games. The season before, um, Sterling had 21 goal involvements in 33 games. The season before that, Sterling had 27 goal involvements in 34 games. Mane had 23 and 36. Um, And the season before that, Sterling had, um, what is that, 29 and 33. And Mane had 17 and 29. Those those are quite ridiculous statistics. Twenty nine for not um, for goal contributions not for, for someone who was missing more chances than he was scoring as well. And we have to even like this question is a great question, um, and the fact that we have to ask it with those sort of statistics is quite mad um, to what's happening at City. I think he's had his day at City now. I think he wants out because he wants to be playing regular football. And you could see like when he's when he's playing somewhere he enjoys, like City pulling up those statistics, even with the lack of minutes. When he's playing for England, we saw what he carried us through the Euros half oh, yeah. the time, and he oh, yeah. and he wanted to play for us, and he was incredible. Um, so yeah, to me, he he walks into every single team without a doubt, except for Liverpool. It's not like he walks in without a doubt, but I think he's better than Mane, and I'd have him over him. Um, so I think he will. I mean, I you don't know what's going to happen with Newcastle. I think abroad <laughs> is probably <laughs> is probably for now, but if if um. If Newcastle started creating a project and Sterling was asked, um, he'd do he'd do amazingly there. Imagine Sterling and Sam Maximan around a good striker. Erling Haaland. <laughs> Any of them. Do you know what? I've I pulled out my um my expected Newcastle um lineup in the next five years, right? Oh, I'll yeah, just name it to you quickly. Just while you're pulling it up, I did see there was a clip that was going around the social media. Um platform saying that Antoine Griezmann was on a plane back from wherever he was playing footy manager and oh, yeah. um, have you seen Mbappe. it yeah and he was he yeah. was talking to Mbappe going yeah I'm, I'm at Newcastle United and Mbappe's going where he's like oh it's cold there isn't it it's, it's not very hot and he was like yeah but I just bought you for 135 million euros or whatever it was and um, 
and uh, oh, what had he won now? Uh, Griezmann had won like five, I don't know, five trophies, like, you know, the league, the cups, you know, the um, all the domestic trophies, basically, Champions League. Sorry, come on. Oh, he did do, yeah. So, go on, what's your uh, expected lineup in inverted commas? Oh, in five years, when Griezmann's retired and is the manager in Newcastle United, their lineup will be <laughs> Melier, because I think he's going to be one of the best goalkeepers in five years. Uh, you'll have Trent Alexander-Arnold for experience. Um, Delit. <laughs> um, you'll have a semi-retired Van Dyke just holding that back line together. Um, and you'll have uh, Alfonso Davis. You'll have Bellingham. You'll have Camavinga and Pedri. And they're all in their prime of their career. He'll have Fatty and Holland and Mbappe, which I'm looking forward to seeing in the Premier League, to be fair, um, by 2026. Just nobody was expecting with that team. <laughs> and Griezmann's yeah. manager, which I've only just wow. came up with after that conversation. So, yeah, it's exciting times for them. <laughs> if they get that team, it bloody is. Yeah, you're not wrong. Right, well, so there you go. Does Sterling walk into every Premier League team? Uh, the answer is... Yes, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Um, now, uh, moving somewhat away from Twitter and the questions that people are asking us, ladies and gentlemen, the player of the season so far outside of the top six. Callum, I know that you've been dying to answer this question, so please shoot. Oh, yeah. Right. So I've got, I've got a lineup of five players that I could think of off the top of my head. There's probably some I've missed out on. I do apologise, but... I've got, um, I don't know if this is an order, but we'll go with it. Ducore. Yeah. Um, Mikel Antonio. Um, okay, yeah. Conor Gallagher. Conor yeah. Gallagher. Uh, Andros Townsend. And then Ethan Pinnock of Brentford. Yeah, Andros Townsend. You haven't even mentioned Andros Townsend yet. Do you want to go with it? I, I was, was going to save him. I was going to save him. Don't you worry about you that. You save him to the end. We'll save him to the end then. Yeah, I think that's my five so far. And it's interesting because a few Everton players are in there. And I think Damari Gray is close to being in that in that discussion as well. Probably in that discussion, really. Well, funnily enough, I was actually thinking about Damari Gray because when it comes to exciting talent... Um, yeah, I mean, Andros Townsend has absolutely, you know, at Crystal Palace, it was going it was going okay for him, but it was just okay. He's gone to Everton, he's found his form, he's, he's, he's back under a manager that he obviously does very well with. And yes, I am beginning up, ladies and gentlemen, because he liked my tweet or one of our tweets, I think, it, well, whichever tweet it was, he liked the tweet. Um, so I have bought an Everton shirt with 14 on the back, with Townsend on the back. Um, I, I even got the Premier League badge to go with it. It's on order. Uh, we posted it to make sure everyone was aware of it. We've held our word to it. I cannot wait to get it. But the next thing I want to do is I want to get, I don't want to have to, I, don't, well, I might wear it once just to go, you know what, I'll have a photo with it, et cetera, et cetera. But Andros Townsend, sir, I would love you to sign my shirt, okay? I don't know how we could do that. I don't know if you would want to do that. I'm, I'm hopeful that you would do because, you know, I've been a bit of a fan of yours, to be fair, from when you scored that amazing England golf on your debut for England, I think it was, where you just pinged it in from the from the right-hand side, cut in, have that. But anyway, Andros, if we can get a sign, if we can get the shirt signed, that'd be grand. Anyway, so yeah, funnily enough, he is in my top, six, uh, in my top few players. Conor Gallagher is in, uh, in mine as well. Funnily enough, I actually had any Acho because I think he's he's had a reasonable start, but I also, well, no, okay, I had it between him and Gray, if I'm being honest. And Gray for me is probably doing a little bit more. So Decore, I mentioned him earlier on as well. I think he's just been outstanding. So they're my top players, to be honest. Oh, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. 
when we say top six, are we including West Ham in that? Uh, what's West Ham outside? The traditional top six, I mean. Fair enough. Ben Rama as well. Oh, Ben Rama. That was another one I missed out. Ben Rama, yeah. Ben Rama's been absolutely solid. Um, and yeah, he's in my dream team. I forgot about Ben Rama. Ben Rama's been awesome. How many assists has he got so far? I know he's got like, um, I know he got a few goals so far because obviously, again, he's, dream on, team, two, he's just, on two assists at the moment. Two assists and three goals. Yeah. That's that's some goal. Oh, no, contribution I'm telling a lie there. I'm just, um, you're not. You're not telling a lie. Very good. I like it when I'm not lying. <laughs> yeah, he's got three goals, two assists. And then obviously you've got um, you've got Michel Antonio, who's been eating up most of those assists, and himself has five goals and three assists. So Michel Antonio for me is probably, I mean, we spoke about Salah the other day, we're not going to get back onto it, but Salah's probably the most informed player in the league. But Michel Antonio's right there next to him, to be fair, this season so far. Um, and I don't really see why anyone should say that Michel Antonio hasn't, hasn't been the player of the actual league so far. He's only got um, he's only got one goal less than Salah. And yeah. a lot of people are talking about Salah being the best player in the world. So, and Salah's played one more game because of Michel Antonio's red card. So, Antonio, for me, out of those ones I've picked out um, for his goal contribution is probably... Oh, Ducore, though, to be fair. Ducore's, like whole overall gameplay from attack to defence, the transition. When you look at his statistics, he's had the highest shot percentage of the of the players discussed. He's completed 83.5% of his passes, which again is the highest there. And then defensively as well, he's just been all over the gaff. He has the highest tackle percentage at 52.6%. So overall playing-wise, Duke Allray probably, then Antonio, then Conor Gallagher, then Andros Townsend. And then Ethan Pinnock. Oh, do you know what? You've literally done an order that was very, very similar to mine and that's annoyed <laughs> me. So I'm going to leave it there to tell you the truth. Um, yeah, and to be fair, I think you've just about covered who is your favourite player outside the top six there as well, haven't you? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> yeah so well fair enough we've answered two questions in one there for those that can't that have just got no clue what we just said there we've just said the player of the season so far outside of the top six and then who is our favorite player outside of the top six so there we go um we also just wanted to do a quick mention to all the ladies and gentlemen that got involved with the poll on twitter that footy rambles conducted which was ollie in or ollie out would you basically was it the poll that would you take him if you are a championship club, it was, wasn't it? Well, going off the last podcast, yeah, I asked if championship down to League Two, I asked if yeah. people from the championship down to League Two would swap their manager with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And it's got 111 votes, I think it was, and 99% said they would not. And I had comments from Bolton fans, from Bristol City fans, from there was a Tranmere fan. Um, Forest fans um, and a lot of like championships to League Two fans, not just championship. And they all said no, they would not swap their manager with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which just tells you where he's at. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned it in one of the other podcasts and it was brutal. And I got a few people, um, a few friends of mine just saying, you've taken a bit of a Simon Jordan approach to that, haven't you? And I just said, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, he's not an elite manager. He has got an elite team, elite player, well, elite team of individuals that he's not made a team yet. Um, but he is not the manager to, if, let's be honest, if Antonio Conte was the manager of that club, they would not be where they are now. But that's because he is an elite manager and Oli is simply not. 
um, when they got him from Norway, doing very well in the Norway league, it's fair to say, or the Norwegian league, sorry. Um, but there is one hell of a step between the players that are in the Norwegian league versus the Premier. It's, it's that simple. Exactly. Couldn't yeah. say a pair myself and I, I wouldn't have him at Forest. And I think he I think they, the sooner they get him out, the better. It's just a bit of a he's just a bit of a um a tumor in the team at the moment for me. Oh, harsh. <laughs> I like him. Yes. That's, that's quite mean, but yeah, I agree with it. Uh, I thought I wasn't expecting that one. Um but yeah, um and that and that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Callum, have you got anything else that you would like to add to today's podcast? We know this is a moment for you to maybe take it in a digressive, a digressive place. That's not even a proper sentence. The grammar is appalling. But is there anything else that you want to add on what we've already spoken about? Yeah, go on. I'll tell you what, if the floor is mine right now, I just want to give a quick mention to Nottingham Forest after their game against Birmingham. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> because because the last time I spoke, we'd come off of a win against Barnsley and I was happy. And that was after a point against Millwall, three points against Barnsley. We just absolutely dispatched Birmingham the other day. And it was it was easy. We've got identified goal scorers and assisters now. Graben's back to playing his best. Um, we've got <clears throat> youth that are getting involved, like some of the goals we scored, and our wing backs. Uh, sensational we've got a real team now and I, this is what I wanted to briefly mention as well because you mentioned Simon Jordan who the other day decided to lay into the players again because of Chris Hewton's gone and now the players are performing and he really dug into the players and it, it pissed me off to be fair because there's absolutely no coincidence that those players couldn't win a game over seven games and now we've just put um, we've just scored three goals away from home and won the game um, consecutively for the first time since I think it was 2016 we found a formula we found a formation we're playing to the player's strengths I say we I mean Steve Cooper has identified a system straight away um, and it's being inputted and it's Dane Murphy the CEO who done this to Barnsley last season when he picked them up from the bottom three and took them into the playoffs he's doing the exact same thing now I'm not saying we're going to go to the playoffs um, but this yeah, is what are. fans dream about well what, what sort of fan would I be if I wasn't to dream about it if I was go oh, I hope we get to 10th now hey, um, we're dreaming about Champions League next season so yeah. there you go <laughs> exactly and we're six points off the playoffs we were we were six points off um being second to bottom a few games ago and now we're six points off the playoffs. So what can you do if you can't dream? And we've got a real good, it was confusing because of the base of players we had and they just looked like they were all terrible under Chris Hewton and now they look sensational and you could see those glitters of what they all had and you can see them coming to light again now. And we've got a game against Blackpool at home after the international break. So it's not like we've got a difficult run coming so we could build on it. Um, and it's just exciting times now. Not as exciting as Newcastle, but it's a bit exciting. So just wanted to give us a quick shout out there at the end because you read. No, that's fair enough. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, please, um, well, subscribe to the um, uh, the Spotify page that we've got. Follow it or whatever it might be. I think it's subscribe to YouTube and um, follow on, uh, on Spotify. It's that way around. Please get involved with the Twitter bits and pieces that Callum does put up there because, well, it, it gives us these subject matters that you want us to discuss. So um, if you like, disagree with them, you want to comment on anything that we've put, you can do that either on YouTube, you can do that on Twitter. Um, in the meantime, we will speak to you next time. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. All the best. <laughs>